Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope that it will encourage you and help you live out your faith in everyday life. Make sure to download our church app by typing Comox Pentecostal into Google Play or the App Store to enjoy more podcasts, Bible resources, giving options, and more. Our church family, for those of you who may not know, maybe you're newer to our church in the last little while, we're part of a fellowship of churches, a family of churches called, get ready for this, it's a mouthful, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, or PAOC for short. And we enjoy a great long-standing relationship with this fellowship. It's been a blessing to us. And we continue to move forward in that uh, deepening relationship with our district and the leadership there. Today, we are so blessed to have one of our district leaders, Mark Lewis, come and share. And by the way, for some of you, maybe depending on your past church experiences, you might be thinking, wait, like, do the sort of district folks, do they kind of just tap a church's, you know, press a button and say, hey, I'm speaking there on this date, uh, or is somebody in trouble, so that's why they're here? No. Um, we had the privilege to invite uh, Mark to join us today, and he happened to be available. He's booked up for months and months in advance, and I threw a long shot at him back in June, I think, maybe, and he's like, Mike, that weekend just opened up for me. So whoever, whatever church canceled on him, unlucky for them, lucky for us. I know we shouldn't talk about luck, but that's the luck of the Lord for you. Would you join me in welcoming to our stage, Pastor Mark Lewis. Wow, thank you, Pastor Mike. And Comox Pentecostal Church, well, it is good to be with you. What a beautiful community you have. I, uh, last night, I was telling Pastor Mike and Pastor Laura that um, I have only been here one time before uh, when I started working with the district. Uh, we had uh, some sectional meetings here back with Pastor Dave Postal. Actually, Pastor Dave's up there. I didn't even see you, Pastor Dave, till just now. Big hug. We'll talk after. And uh, I spent the whole day in meetings with Pastor Dave and some other pastors in your basement and never saw anything else to do with the church or the building or anything like that. And so uh, today I got a little tour around. You have a beautiful facility. Do you like it? Oh, good. Okay. You're blessed because I want you to know many of our churches that I visit are not this nice. You have a great church and a great pastoral team. Love Pastor Mike and Pastor Laura. Um, I'm going to give you a little insight on this too. As much as uh, my role as a district officer, and I'll tell you a little bit about that in a few minutes, uh, lets me connect with great pastors all over our province, I do have a special connection here because Pastor Laura and I are second cousins. And she was actually the flower girl in my wedding. Yeah. Very precious little thing she was, yes, you know. So it is awesome to see her in this role uh, as one of your pastors. And what an incredible worship leader she is, right? Well, you are blessed. Do you know that? You really, truly are. <laughs> truly are. In fact, and she probably wouldn't tell you this, but she's actually one of our featured worship leaders this year at our district lead forward conference, our biggest conference in the province. And she's going to be one of our, yes. Is that, is that like a glam? Yes. Wind will be blowing on that stage, and it will be fantastic. So, uh, as Pastor Mike said, I work for our, our district. You are, are part of one of 215 churches in the British Columbia Yukon District. Um, my title, I don't actually give it that often, but as Mike was talking about, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada is a mouthful. My official title is, I am the Assistant District Superintendent for Church Health and Revitalization of the British Columbia and Yukon District of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's right. I actually stopped carrying business cards because they were like eight and a half by 11. It was just making no sense. So, <laughs> But I get the wonderful privilege and the honor of being able to travel throughout our province to all of those churches and uh, work with our pastors on, on revitalizing and encouraging them to be healthier, more vibrant, community-outreaching churches. Um, and really honestly, I'll tell you this very honestly, many of the churches that I work with um, struggle. They're, diff- they're in difficult situations. They're in, in hard times, and it takes a lot of work and a lot of encouragement and a lot of prayer to see them move forward. So it really is, and I don't say this being political, a joy to be in a church that is doing well. Um, and so you can, give yourselves a hand clap on that because this is, you know... So it's fantastic to be here and and be a part of this, and I loved your worship today. Worship team, you did a great job this morning as well. It was wonderful. Uh, I am uh, uh, married to an incredible, incredible woman. Carolyn uh, is her name for 34 years. Uh, Oh, actually, sorry, 33. I got to get that right. Uh, Normally, she travels with me. This weekend, she was unable uh, to come, and I have two adult children. Uh, My son, Canyon, just got married this past year. He's a worship pastor in Kelowna, and then I have an adult daughter. Her name is Esther, who has uh, special needs. She has a syndrome called CHARGE. She's 28, and she lives with us full-time, and normally, actually, they get to actually come with me. Uh, They love traveling, and so I bring greetings on behalf of them. Unfortunately, they're unable to be here with us this morning. Uh, I'm also supposed to bring hello to you from our district superintendent. This is all the official stuff that I have to do. Um, uh, Reverend Ken Russell. I think you guys all know Ken Russell. Yeah? He loves you. He says the Comox Valley is his favorite place. Uh, I don't know if he says that everywhere he goes, but now that I've been here, I can kind of come back and say, I can see why. It's pretty beautiful here. So uh, he does say hello. Let's jump into the word today. If you have your Bibles, uh, would you turn with me to John chapter 18? Uh, It's an honor and a privilege, and I don't take it lightly to share Pastor Mike and Pastor Laura's pulpit, and uh, I want to share with you some things that have been on my heart, and I I really am excited because I believe that they line up uh, a lot with this kind of time uh, that you were going into here in the fall, talking about the renewal of all things. Uh, So would you turn with me to John chapter 18? We're going to look at verses 1 to 11 together. Verse 1 says this, when he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place, because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and from the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. And Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. Well, I am he, Jesus said. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, Who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. And Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. And if you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words that he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away, for shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. Now this is a... (laughs) For many people, this is actually one of the saddest and darkest and most gloomy passages in the Bible. 
And you might even be thinking this morning, what in the world are you doing on a beautiful Sunday summer coming into fall Sunday morning bringing us this kind of, aren't you supposed to be traveling around the district bringing some hope and cheer and, and happiness? Well, I, I am. That is my job. But I wanted to show you something that God's been really showing me lately when it comes to a new perspective and renewing my perspective. This particular passage of scripture for many pastors is a difficult one to preach. And often you'll hear it only come up on Good Fridays because we want to get through it really quickly to the joy that we see that happens on Easter Sunday because this is such a sad moment because it is a moment in time where we're seeing the end of Jesus' life and his ministry come collapsing down. Now, Jesus, throughout his ministry, we know this, was criticized and was ridiculed and schemed against all throughout his ministry, but nothing like this moment. Because this moment, as dark, as sad, as foreboding it is, was the beginning of his end. But I want to show you something different today, and along with the theme of this, uh, this month that you're in, I want to maybe try to challenge your perspective of looking at this. Now, yes... Torches were dancing in the night and weapons were unsheathed and betrayal was in the, air, every, in the air everywhere. And after laboring in prayer, the Bible tells us, Jesus had led his group of friends, his disciples, those that were following him across the river to this place, this garden place that he had been to many times before. But what's interesting here is that the Bible alludes to the fact that he knew that his persecutors would find him there. Now, I believe that John, the author of this gospel, wants to show us something different. I believe that what he wants to show us here is that Jesus is not a victim. Jesus, the Son of God, the King of Kings, I believe we're going to look through this darkness this morning and he, we are going to see what John describes as the majesty of Christ on display. I think we're going to look in a different way this morning, and I hope today by the end of this morning, you will see perfection that shines through the hatred in this scene, that shines through the darkness, the pain, the suffering, the arrest, and even the betrayal. And it all starts with verse 4 in chapter 18, where it says, then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to them, went out to meet his accusers. Now, in a different translation, I often preach from the New uh, International Version, but I love reading from the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation actually uses the phrase, he stepped forward. And it kind of gives you this picture that this group of men are in a lineup, and, and Jesus steps out and, and makes a distinct difference of who he is from the men he is with. Uh, I remember being in, in, in PE class in middle school, right? And you get all lined up. And your coaches are like, who's going to step up and be this? And who's going to step up and play that? And it's, and it's usually some of the bravest ones that kind of step, I'll do that. And that's kind of the image I get here in this moment is, is Jesus is actually stepping out from the crowd, showing us who he truly is. I want to tell you a little something about myself. I'm one of those guys <clears throat> that, uh, and man, maybe you can relate to this with me. I have never been a really tearful kind of guy. I've never been a guy that cries a lot, Okay. I consider myself a pretty sensitive guy, but I've had a hard time crying through my life. Anybody can relate? Men? You're in church. Don't lie. Come on. All right. There's a few hands going up there. Now, maybe it's a little different. I, I want you to know this, too. As I've gotten older, I've become a little more sensitive. I've gotten a little more teary at times. But I, throughout most of my young, and particularly when I was first married, my wife would kind of get mad at me all the time. She would be like, how come you, like, this is a beautiful th situation, the birth of a new baby or this, you're not tearing up at it. And I was like, 
it, it's great. It makes noises and it poops. I mean, it's a whole bunch. <laughs> but I had a hard time with that, except for this. There have been times when I'm watching particular movies that I've found myself with this just welling up urge to just like bubble over in tears. Now, maybe you can get this with me. It's in those moments in a movie where the, the story is kind of reaching its climax. And, and, and the people that you have grown uh, to love through this movie are somehow finding themselves in imminent danger, okay? And all of a sudden, the enemy or the bad guys or whatever, they're, they're closing in and you are feeling like this is going to be the end for everybody. And out of nowhere, a person who you would never expect steps up to be a hero, knowing that the fight will probably cost him or her their lives, and they're about to do it anyhow. In that moment, when I'm watching movies, the hair on the... Well, I don't have much hair on the back of my neck. But the hair on my arms begins to stand up. And goosebumps happen, and I find myself welling up with tears, being like, yeah! Anybody with me? Do you have those moments? Man, come on. We're going to have to work on maybe the next series, being on truthfulness. This, though, that feeling, that moment, is what I want you to kind of picture as we look at John 18 from a new perspective this morning. That's the feeling that I get when I start to read this. As I have read this verse over and over again through the years, I really believe in the last couple of months, God has been showing me this particular perspective of what we're seeing. We're not seeing a defeated, weak, human Jesus here, but I want to show you this morning a Jesus who truly is divine, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And it all starts with this. The first thing I want you to know this morning is that when he steps forward, he stepped forward willingly. He wasn't forced, he wasn't coerced, he wasn't bargained with. Jesus stepped forward willingly in this moment to meet his accusers. Now, if you've been a believer for some time, you've read the Bible, you would know this. If you're new to faith, uh, let me share something with you. One of the wonderful things about the Bible is that in often the stories we read at certain times, there is foreshadowing that comes in earlier chapters or verses and particularly in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so here, we're reading in John chapter 18 this morning, but if you'll come with me for a minute all the way back to John chapter 10, we see an actual foreshadowing of what's going on now in these verses that we're looking at. So John chapter 10, verse 11 is this. And this is Jesus talking to a group of people, and he says this, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. No one, I get this, no one takes it from me, he says, but I lay it down of my own accord. What a beautiful foreshadowing of now what's happening in John chapter 18. This lets us know that in this moment, how the world might look at these verses as just a simple man in a garden who's about to be arrested. We're actually getting a glimpse into the fact that this isn't just a man, just a rabbi, just a teacher, but this truly is the son of God. And no one will surprise him, no one will arrest him, no one will take him to prison unless he allows it. Jesus wasn't surprised or caught off guard. He knew what was coming and he stepped forward willingly anyhow. We get a glimpse here into the omniscience of God. He saw that as these men would arrest him, his hands and his feet would be pierced nails. He saw 
that as he carried the cross through the city streets, people would mock him and slap him and spit on him. They would grab the hair from his beard and pull it from his face. He envisioned the beatings that would put him in a place beyond human recognition. He foresaw his whole life being poured out to death and his disciples abandoning him. He knew all of this was coming, and yet he stepped forward willingly. And now in this moment, look how Jesus responds. He doesn't run away. He doesn't fight. He doesn't argue. Knowing all that this is about to happen in this moment, he steps forward and says, who is it that you're looking for? Who is it that you want? I'm he. When I read that just a few weeks ago, I had this moment where I thought, this is something that's missing in our culture today. We have a, a, a culture that is very curious about religion. In fact, we have a, a pluralistic amount of, uh, of culture, of belief systems that are out there today. I, I pastored for a couple of years in downtown Vancouver. And there was a mix of people that were coming to church that would, had backgrounds, depending on their immigration, in the Baha'i faith or the Muslim faith or the New Age faith. And it would be mixed in with Catholicism and bits of Christianity. And today, when you look at our culture, and I'm sure it's the same here in the Comox Valley as it is everywhere in our province, there are many religions and faith-based systems that say they have the answers to our struggles in life that they can bring happiness and peace and grace and forgiveness if you follow their ways. But the truth is, when you look at this moment in John, none of them have a savior like Jesus who was willing to give up his life for us. And that separates us today from all of those different belief systems. And I want you to see that this morning as we move forward into some of the other things that we're gonna note that Jesus does. It starts with a willing heart to say, I'm the only innocent one, but that innocence I'll lay aside because of you. The second thing that I want you to notice this morning is that he stepped forward with power. Now again, I, I think it's real interesting because when you normally read through this passage of scripture, especially on Good Friday, the thing that stands out is that Jesus seems to be at the moment somewhat helpless. When these men with torches, these securities guards, these policemen, these officials of the church come, they are coming with intent. Uh, scholars tell us today that they're not sure of the numbers. There could have been 50, there could have been up to 200 that were coming. And you would think in those odds, one man and a few disciples, a few followers, there's absolutely nothing that could be done. He could have tried to fight back, they could have tried to argue, but the chances are with the overwhelming odds, they would have been defeated anyhow. But I want you to see something different that happens, and it can be so easily missed as you read through these verses. In verse 5 and 6, Jesus responds and says, Who is it you want? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And then he says, I am he. And the interesting part that happens next is it says, They drew back, and they all fell to the ground. In this moment, we are reminded of the power that Jesus has. Yes, you could look at that verse and say he's just a man, he's just a teacher, but this moment shows us that he truly is God. He's not just a man, not just a rabbi, not just a teacher. He is divine. He is God incarnate. And by the words of his mouth, he buckled their knees and knocked that army to the ground. Again, if you go back into the earlier gospels in the book of Matthew, 
Chapter 26, again, a, a bit of foreshadowing happens there in verse 53, and it says this as Jesus is speaking to a group of people. Do you not think that I could not call on my Father and he at once would put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? He's reminding us back then that he is God. That no earthly army, no tyrant, no king could call upon their armies to take him, defeat him, or overwhelm him. This is the Son of God. No ragtag army in this garden of men here could arrest him if he didn't allow it to happen. And when he says, I am he, it's a declaration of that power and that authority. When you look back into the earliest of Greek translations, that phrase, I am he, is actually tre- uh, translated ega ami. Ega ami, and what it actually means is, I am the I am. What a beautiful correlation between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and between God the Father and God the Son, because that statement right there is the same way God Almighty introduced himself to Moses. He is the great I am. God in the flesh. And this army in this moment, just like it is today, has no power and no authority over him. Sickness has no power or authority over him. Death has no power or authority over him. Sin has no power or authority over him. All of these things, Satan, death, disease, have no power or authority over him because he is God Almighty, and when he speaks, armies fall. Now, i got to stop you right there. That's kind of an amen moment. Now, i got to tell you this. I didn't share this with you before. So I, I've been a pastor for 34 years. A number of my years I pastored here in the province and in Saskatchewan, but for 13 of the years I pastored in Las Vegas, Nevada. You know, if you're a pastor and you're called to getting people saved, you might as well go where they're sinning openly, right? But the church that I pastored in was predominantly uh, a Hispanic and African-American church. And I see we got a multi-ethical church here today. But I got to tell you, I got used to when we got to some powerful parts here in the Bible where there was like, you know what? He's God Almighty. When he speaks, armies fall. There was like, yeah, come on, preach, pastor. Yes, amen. So can we just make me feel comfortable and get a little of that this morning? Okay. So here, because I know that we're predominantly Caucasian probably in here. Here's a little, let's put a little flavor to this, okay? So our folks in that church, there was kind of a, and I I had to work hard on it, but it's like a little stomp wave, kind of a little like, amen! Can you do that with me? One, two, three. Oh, feeling like I'm back home again. All right. So let's just work on that. If you get a little excited, we don't have to be conservative in church. We, you, we did tell you we're Pentecostal church, right? So it's okay. You can talk. You can cheer. You can shout. You can get excited here. So this is the thing. John reminds us of this. That this man in the garden that they came to arrest really is the omnipotent God. Can I, I share another honest fear with you today? In my travels and through many of the communities that I visit and get to go to, I see the same thing. We, whether it's a small rural community, whether it's our urban communities, I fear today that uh, our world doesn't think of Jesus this way anymore. 
In fact, books are written and movies are created portraying Jesus as a weak, emaciated, fragile human being that is somehow just like us. In fact, this whole movement of deconstructionism tries to break down and take away the power and the authority and the divinity of Jesus to make him more relatable to us. And, and somehow I'm afraid that if we make that separation, we're going down a very scary path. Tim Keller, a wonderful pastor, theologian, and author who passed away this year, he said this in one of his books, if your God never disagrees with you, you might be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. And if we don't see Jesus as God, we lose all connection to the power and authority that's in his name. We sang songs this morning. The new song that we sang talked about the power in his name, the authority that is in his name. This is the power that John gives us just a glimpse of right there. And I believe that this is the power and the authority that we cannot forget about today in our lives. Whether you are struggling with health issues, relationship issues, financial issues, uh, it doesn't matter. All of those things that seem insurmountable and overwhelming to us are nothing in the name of Jesus. Power to conquer, power to forgive, power to overcome, power to see the darkness become light, despair become hope, power to see sickness become health and emptiness become wholeness. That's the power that's in the name of Jesus. And that's the power that in this moment we see Jesus step forward with. Not a human, not a man, not just a good teacher, but the power of God. The third thing that I want to show you this morning, he stepped forward in love. Verse 8 and 9 says, Jesus answered them and said, I am he. But then the second phrase, if you're looking for me, then let these men go. I'm the one you want. I'm the one you've come for. Let these men who are with me go. Now just think about this for a moment. These are the same men that couldn't stay awake and pray with him just a few hours earlier. These are the same men that throughout his ministry and his journey would question everything he did. These are the same men that eventually are going to deny him and betray him, and yet he steps forward in such an act of love that the thing that comes out of his mouth is, take me, let them go. What I connect with here when I read this is a realization that every one of us, you and I today, by our nature, we're rebellious and we're sinful and we need a savior. We can't save ourselves, neither could these men. And so he stepped in this place of love to save them. Here we see God's ultimate plan of love being enacted. Jesus is truly the only one who is innocent, but instead of pleading that innocence, he takes the guilt upon himself and says, punish me and let them go. Again, when you read in the original Greek, the actual translation of that phrase, let them go, is translated to be forgive them or pardon them. Isn't that a beautiful example? He offers himself as a sacrifice because of his great love. If you come back to this foreshadowing once again in John chapter 13, verse 1, there's a beautiful verse that shows this love. It says, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to be with the Father. 
having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. What was true back then is true today. That love that he would so practically express in that garden is the same love that he has for you and I today. The creator of all things. The light of the world stepped forward in our place to suffer a wrath and a pain and judgment beyond understanding because he loved us. When I look at John chapter 18 today, I'll never see it again as this weak, human, frail man who is about to be arrested. But I'll see the willingness and the power and the love of the Son of God pouring out the ultimate plan that God had for you and I. John 3.16 comes alive, doesn't it, when you think that way? For God loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This is what we see. I don't see a broken, defeated man in John 18. I see a savior willing to set aside his power, willing to take our place because of unimaginable love. Here's the honest truth, folks. As a guest, I travel a lot, and when I come into church, just like yours, I can't honestly stand on this pulpit and say that I know or even understand some of the things that maybe your folks go through. I come in on one evening, and I, I get a chance to meet some people and, and pray with some people and talk with some people and eat with some people, but I can't say that I know the struggles that each and every one of you have. And even today in this place, some of you may be hurting. Some of you may be questioning. Some of you may be facing odds that seem overwhelming. And it could be like I mentioned earlier, health struggles, doctors, medical exams, things that have given you news that just brings you sadness and grief and worry that keeps you up at night. It could be financial struggles or relationship struggles. It could be that you have loved ones that you are so worried or hurting about. And I don't know those things, but what I can give you today, nothing else, is a hope that there is a God who loves us so much that he is willing to step into your hurts and your pains and your problems that seem overwhelming to you and overcome them. If that's anything that you take away from today, take that. Know this today, that whatever it is that you're going to walk out these doors and struggle with outside, there is a God who loves you and who cares about you and has power and authority to conquer those things that you struggle with. I want to leave you with a couple thoughts. And Laura, would you come and to the keyboard? I want to, I want to just, when I looked at this verse, I thought to myself, hey, how can, I, how can I end this with you this morning with a challenge? That how do we... How do we view Jesus today with this new perspective or a renewed perspective? In the midst of a world that continually deconstructs his authority, his divinity, and his power. And I want to challenge you with what I think are two simple things, but I think they're incredibly helpful. One is this. Dive into God's word with a new hunger. Look at these stories that you have always heard or always read about and think you know and approach them with a different heart and say, God, would you just reveal to me something that I need today from this story? 
I mean, for those of you that have been believers for a long time, you know the Bible front to back. There's folks in here, I, you know, I'm a little white in the beard. I see lots of white in the, in the beard and on the top of the head here. You've probably read stories in the Bible and you, you are comfortable saying you know the meaning of them. Could you humble yourselves and be in a place where you say, God, show me something new in this. Show me something that I've missed. Refresh and renew my appreciation for your authority, your divinity, your power, and your greatness. And the second thing I want to challenge you with is, how do you, how do you get afresh and hang on to this new perspective of Jesus in a world that does these horrible things, tries to break Jesus down? Surround yourself with people who share the same perspective of Jesus. People who will talk with you and pray with you and encourage you. Join a, a life group or a pop-up group or a coffee club that we saw earlier today. Be around and amongst people that as you're walking through struggles and they're walking through struggles, you see and remember a Jesus that can conquer and uplift, encourage and bring hope where no one else can. And there are people around you that remind you of that Jesus and you then have the opportunity to do the same to them. Can you take those two things today? If you leave this morning, can you do those two things? I encourage you to do them both. Let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your love. And today, as we've looked at this beautiful and wonderful few verses in John chapter 18, I pray that everyone in this room no matter what they struggle with, no matter what they're going through, would have a truth and an understanding this morning of your love, your power, your authority, and your greatness that is there for us to overcome our hurts, to bring hope in sorrow, to bring grace in times of pain, and to bring forgiveness and love. Let us be reminded of that today who you are and how much you love us, Jesus. I ask this in your wonderful name. Amen. Thank you, Mark. Thank you so much. Let's all stand together. I'm so thrilled. Sometimes we get a sneak peek of what the speaker, if they're a guest, is going to bring. And we saw some of the outline of his notes earlier. And I saw, look at this. He's bringing us straight to the heart of the matter, straight to beholding Jesus together. And so thank you, Mark, for a renewed perspective of Jesus. And there's no greater way for us to respond than to lift our praise and worship to Jesus together. So let's sing together as Lord. As we conclude today, I'm going to invite our prayer ministry team to come forward right now. Maybe you came in today and there was a heaviness in your heart, something that's just burdening you. There's something maybe going on in your mind, something you just can't shake. Maybe there's tension in a relationship. Maybe there's a part of your life that's felt hopeless lately. Maybe there's something you just know of that if God doesn't touch this circumstance with the renewal work that only he could bring, I don't know how this turns around. I don't want you to leave today without being encouraged in prayer together with someone else. That could mean coming forward as we conclude and um, praying with one of our team members up here. That might mean grabbing the hand of your spouse and sitting down together and praying together before you leave. If you're with us online, I hope you'll reach out to someone or contact our church so that we can be in prayer with you. 
I want to lead us in a prayer corporately as we close today. Father, we welcome the ongoing work of your spirit to help us behold Jesus. Father, if there are any views in our lives of Christ that have grown old or have moved off track, we acknowledge we're prone to this. And we need the work and the help of your spirit. We need the power of your word guiding us to behold Jesus together. Father, I'm praying for everyone in our church family that they wouldn't journey in this faith alone. That this fall you would link each person in this room with one, two, or three others that they can grow in faith and in connection with together. Give us courage for this, we pray. Now, Father, as we go into your world on your mission, we acknowledge we can't do this on our own, so we declare our dependence upon you and our need for one another. Fill us again afresh with the anointing of your spirit. Send us on mission with others so that we might see your message and ministry move into the everyday stuff of life here in the Comox Valley. We pray this in the strongest name ever, which is yours, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Now, before you leave, would you just turn and give somebody a really nice, nice smile? Now, if you're not a married person, be intentional about this. This might help you. Uh, but, you know, uh, just don't smile at other married people, okay? Uh, no, just everybody smile at each other and have a great, great week. I just made it very awkward. I'm sorry. If you're at home, smile at the camera or the TV. And God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Thanks again for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged you as you live out your faith in everyday life. Make sure to download our church app by typing Comox Pentecostal into Google Play or the App Store to enjoy more podcasts, Bible resources, giving options, and more.